welcome to Hyden Spaces Podcast, where we feature top leaders to discuss the obstacles that they faced and how they prevailed despite the improbabilities of their success. This episode is brought to you by Teleria, Teleria and Levy, a law firm whose immigration division has helped thousands of immigrants come out of the shadows and obtain documents to exercise their power and live peacefully without fear. Their employment division is a voice for employees who have been injured, harassed, exploited, or discriminated against by their employers. You can find them on the web at letusbeyourvoice.com, where you can sign up for a free consultation. You can also call them direct at 855-523-2323. That is 855-523-2323. I have with me here today, Randy Levy. As a law clerk, Randy worked on the Menendez case as part of the prosecution team for the LA District Attorney's Office. And he went on to to build the first online stores for TV and film studios, such as the Comedy Central store, um, stores for Paramount and other studios. He got involved in a company called Artist Direct, which was one of the first online music stores that built stores for Madonna, the Rolling Stones and others. It went public um, during the first dot-com boom. Um, as a lawyer, he successfully grew a hundred person law firm using the business principles that he learned during his other business ventures. Um, and he's achieved a lot of what others would traditionally consider success. But today he's taken a deep dive into mind body principles, which he's used to transform the culture of his law firm. And he also uses to seek to make the biggest difference possible in the world. Um, I'm very pleased to welcome here today, Randy Levy. Welcome, Randy. Thank you so much, Rich. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. So I guess let's, you know, let's roll it back a bit to, um, to kind of the early days as a lawyer, uh, I mean, a law clerk, and, and then as, as a lawyer, and kind of what that experience was like for you. Okay. Um, well, when I initially went to law school, I never really intended that I was going to practice law. I thought it would just be a good knowledge base. I Prior to law school, I worked at a talent agency and I worked in the literary department. And what we would do is we would um, represent producers and directors and writers. And I remember that I was a young man. I was probably right out of college and that agency went out of business and they laid off everybody. And I remember looking at the agents and thinking to myself, who in this room has some knowledge that I don't have or I can't get? And it was the attorney's. So that's where I decided to go to law school. And that's what pulled me into law school. Um, so it was kind of like, um, it, it was an interest in the skill set and the knowledge that they had. You wasn't really, you weren't thinking in terms of, of that you wanted to be a lawyer. It was, it was, it was about like, there's just an extra skill set there and knowledge that would be useful in business that you wanted to make your own. Exactly. I looked around and I thought, what does this guy know that I don't know? Or what does anybody in here know that I don't know? And it was the attorneys who I found that were really, really smart, even though they weren't practicing law themselves. And maybe that's what inspired me to think that getting a law degree would be really good for business. Yeah, so interesting. I, I think that's pretty common in the entertainment business, right? I mean, a lot of people who have legal training, um, trained as lawyers, but they're not practicing. They're doing something right. more interesting. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think so you sought to do some things that were more interesting too. I mean, some real cool entrepreneurial ventures. And so like, um, you know, I, I, I know you were saying at the, at the very beginning of, 
of um, uh, of websites, essentially, the beginning of, of our exploration of what we can do on this thing called the internet and the World Wide Web, you began creating websites and you created a company around that. So how did that, how did that come about? Well, I was, okay, I was working, I worked at the DA's office and I worked on the Menendez case. And also I had a brother-in-law who happened to work at Sony Pictures. And he and his partner were pretty big producers at Sony. And his partner, I guess, saw who, what I was doing in the world. And he approached me and he, and the internet had literally just started. Not that, you know, the internet was probably a little bit, you know, it started longer, but it just became, started to become popular and the studios were using the internet to create websites to market their movies. So he came to me and he said, hey, I think you're an entrepreneurial guy. You seem to um, have something. I want to start a company building websites for the studio. And I think I can help get jobs to build websites and I'd love for you to run it. And he put in a certain amount of money, which was not, you know, it was about probably $50,000, which I thought was all the money in the world at that time. And we started building websites for the studios. And the first one we built was for Sony pictures. We built the Anaconda website. And um, I remember that with um, John Voigt. Do not yeah. look in the eyes of those you kill. They will haunt you forever. <laughs> exactly. And Jennifer Lopez too. Right. So right. That was a, it was a, it turns in, it's kind of a campy movie when you look at it now, but I mean, it's kind of funny. I, even Ice-T was in it, but Oh, that's as, right. Right. They were yeah. all on a boat, right? They were on like a. Right. A in the Amazon. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was, we did a great website. It had all the bells and whistles at the time and it was amazing. And so I started to learn, I, we were a company that would build websites for the studios and they paid us a lot of money to build that website. Um, however, I spent a lot of money building the website. So the margins weren't that great from a profit standpoint, but I got really good at you know, navigating my way into the different studios and the networks and knowing people and bidding on these projects. But what ended up happening was as it became more popular, the web, anyone and their mother would literally be able to do a website and out of their garage, essentially. And they would offer the studios, literally they would say, I'll do your website for free just because they wanted to have that on their resume and that would help build their businesses. So I went to my partner at the time and I said, I don't think this is really a business that I want to be involved in because it, it, the profit margins aren't that great and you're not really building any equity in the business. And so I had a building that I had rented. I had, um, you know, an opportunity and I thought, what could I do? So, I mean, this is where I think, you know, just it's, being really innovative and just kind of audacious. And I guess I was young and audacious, but what I did was I looked on the internet and I saw amazon.com and all they did was sell books at the time. Literally it was Amazon selling books. And I thought that's interesting. And I, I also connected the fact that the studios and television networks were putting a lot of money into marketing their websites. Um, they would, after every television show, they'd, they'd promote their web address and they would get a lot of people to their websites. All the studios were putting it on their movie posters, everything, but they weren't monetizing it. So I naively thought, hey, um, 
what if I built stores for the wet, for the studios and the networks, kind of like what Amazon's doing, but I'll sell product related to the movies or the television shows or the networks. And that was my idea. It was just an idea. Hmm. And I made a phone call to a guy at Comedy Central, one of the executive vice presidents. And I literally just cold called him and I said, hey, I want to build a store for you on the internet. And what I want to do is I want to have it seamlessly integrate to your website. All you have to do is put a store button on your front page. I'll, I'll create the store. I'll procure the product. I'll fulfill the product. And I want 50% and you can have 50%. Guess what he said? Mm, yes. He said, yes. <laughs> he said, yes. <laughs> well, then I'm in a little problem because I don't know how to build a store on a website. Okay. So I hired how to find people that knew how, right. You couldn't just, there wasn't like Wix. There was nothing out of the box at that time where you could just build a store and it it was easy like it is today. So I, I, I hired, there was no plugin, (laughs) no plugin, no store plugin. Exactly. So I went and I put an ad up at UCLA, which is I'm from Los Angeles and we're in Los Angeles. And I, I looked in for math me. I hired two, people who were doing uh, master's degrees in math and I hired them to build this store and we literally built the entire store. It was wonderful. So we built the store and it was the first store. It was the comedy central store. And the initial products that we put on were like comedy central hats and t-shirts and watches. And we launched it and comedy central put it on their site. And literally the first month we did like, maybe $500. We did nothing because at the time people were terrified to put their credit cards to the, onto the internet. They refused because they thought the, it was going to get stolen. I don't know if you remember that, but people were very okay. apprehensive of doing that. Um, so I was a little bit dejected, but then like literally three weeks later, Comedy Central called me and they said, we have a new show coming out and I want to send you some videos of this new show and I'd like to put up a t-shirt and I said, okay, that's great. So we got, I got a delivery in the mail and there were some videotapes and it was their new animated show and it was hilarious. And it was called, do you know? South park. It was South park. Wow. Yeah. Really something. I mean, that's luck, right? Yeah. Just, Speaking of luck, those guys, what is what a string of luck for them too? They made a they they made a video for someone just just like I I, I don't. It was a Christmas card. It was a Christmas card. card that they did for the industry. It was like right. literally like a little five minute video, and it what happened was is they it was kind of their calling card, and it it went around the whole industry, and Comedy Central saw it, and they thought that it could be a great show. They picked it up, and that's how those two were born. Yeah, and that's how South Park was born. That's amazing. So then you were the second South Park uh, success story. Well, I was, I, I got to ride on that train, right, right. you know, mm-hmm. and they were such nice guys. Those two, Trey and Trey Matt. Parker, Matt and, Stone, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And what happened is, so here's the first product. So you're, I mean, it's just all, everything just aligned. So the, the, they sent me an image of what they wanted the first t-shirt to be. And it was a picture of Cartman. And it said, I'm not fat. I'm big boned. That was the (laughs) t-shirt. So we put it on the site and literally it exploded. 
people did not care anymore about their credit cards being stolen. They didn't, they would do anything for this t-shirt. I got phone calls. I, I, it was insanity. And we sold so many. And I think like that first month we did like 25, 30,000. The next month we did like 55 or 60,000. The next month we went up to 250,000 and it just kept escalating like that. And, you know, by the time, you know, months went by, we had every single type of South Park product that you can imagine from stickers to magnets, to t-shirts, to dolls, to puppets, to bedding, you know, every single type of product. And I learned that business, not only the e-commerce business, but I also learned the licensing business and, you know, how products are licensed and, you know, in the words of Mel Brooks in Spaceballs, merchandising. Exactly. (laughs) And that was amazing. Yeah. And just, just for anyone listening, you know, I guess if I look back now, it's, I think that you should do what you, you know, just whether, you know, just be a little audacious. I don't know what made me think that I could make that call to Comedy Central and that they would actually say yes to me, but I just did it and they did say yes. And, you know, again, things just align in ways I could have never controlled the fact that they were coming out with the show and that this was going to happen and that was going to happen. But if you just are really disciplined in what you do and passionate about what you do, all these things will just show up. And again, that was during the golden, you know, the first internet age. And those opportunities are present all the time in different iterations. Like, you know, the first iteration of the internet was the dot-com, you know, the, you know, what we did. Maybe the second one I thought was more like the cell phone industry kind of came in and then Twitter came in and Instagram and all these things and YouTube. So there's different possibilities all the time in the world. And I think you should just be inspired, be disciplined, be committed to what you're doing, be a little audacious, smart, and magic happens. So, and you know, you don't need to have a ton of resources. Cause like I said, we didn't have a ton of money, but I was able to do things like I would look at amazon.com. And when I determined how do you, you know, drive a customer to the shopping cart, I didn't have millions of dollars to research that. So I just told my people, go to Amazon and look at what they do and do exactly what they're doing. Just follow the way that they're doing it. And that's what we did. So from that, we ended up building a bunch of stores for different studios and networks. And that was a really, really awesome experience. I hired a lot of my friends from law school and we just had a lot of fun. We were young. I was single at the time. I wasn't married. Um, It was a great time. And, uh, you know, that was the, the first step. And then I went to an even more interesting place that I could have never imagined. And that was Artist Direct. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. I love that segue. And, and so, um, yeah, let's talk about Artist Direct and, and what you did over there with, um, uh, with music. You are listening to Hidden Spaces Podcast. And we would like to thank our sponsors at Teleria, Teleria and Levy. Have you been injured, harassed, exploited, or discriminated against by your employer? Did you have a specific or repetitive injury? Did you get COVID at work or got laid off because of COVID? Or you have questions on immigration? Visit us at letusbeyourvoice.com or call us at 855-523-2323. And now, 
back to part two of the Hydrogen Spaces podcast. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. I love that segue. And and so, um, yeah, let's talk about Artist Direct and, and what you did over there with um, uh, with music. So at Artist, so when I was at, when I was building the stores, I had um, my own fulfillment facility, which was just, I rented like a warehouse next door to my office, which was pretty small. And there was a guy named Mark Geiger who heard of me and he was the founder of Artist Direct. He was a big music agent. He represents a lot of different music artists on their tours. Um, and he called me one day and said, I'm, I heard you do this and I want to, I'm doing exactly what you're doing. He said, except for I'm doing it with music artists and my first artist is the Rolling Stones. So I'm doing their store. And I want to look at your facility and see if um, maybe you can do the fulfillment out of it. Cause we're not doing the film fulfillment. We're just doing the technology part. And I'm, I said, okay. And he came in and he looked at my place <laughs> and he said, you know what? This is too small for us, but thank you so much. And good luck. And he, he stepped away. Really, really nice. God, such a nice, heartfelt guy, Mark Geiger. And when I left this first company, which I won't get into the details about that, I, I thought about Mark Geiger. And I called him and I said, hey, Mark, again, this is almost like me calling Comedy Central. This is an audacious move, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, um, I... I'm leaving this company and I want to come join your company and I want to build entertainment stores, you know, along with your music stuff that you're doing, your music stores. And he said, let me talk to my CFO. And he did. And he came back to me and he said, yeah, he said, come on in and you can start a company under, you know, they had a bunch of different little companies. Um, and I'll give you a percentage of that company and I'll give you the salary and go for it. And he allowed me to come in at the time. There were 12 people at the company. And so I'm really grateful to him for that. And what ended up happening is that was an experience that was just incredible for me as a business person, because this company literally blew up to, I mean, literally we did stores for probably any artist that you can name at the time, whether it's Madonna or the Beastie Boys or Beck or Foo Fighters or Metallica or uh, Rage Against the Machine, Pearl Jam, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Cher, you know, Gwen Stefani, anyone at the time, we did their stores. And there was a big investment by the record labels into that business. And there was a big investment by the public. It was taken public. So when, when, they, when the company went public, I was lucky because the bankers said, we're gonna take all these little companies and we're gonna roll them into one. So I ended up you know, owning a smaller piece of a bigger pie, which was just insane because I got to benefit from the years of experience of people like Mark Geiger and just really, really amazing entrepreneurs and just industry, just, monsters in this in the in the industry so well respected so um accomplished and also just a great person mark geiger he was a he is a great great person so but, but being there i learned a lot from a business standpoint i told you i went to law school i never did an mba but literally i think that experience was like doing an mba because when you're going public i remember they 
They hired a bunch of accountants that came in and worked it. So I learned about accounting. I learned about, they wanted the business to scale because in order to go public, it had to be a scalable business. So I'd learned what it took to scale a business. And I just learned so much from that company. And that was it. That was called Artist Direct. Um, and, and it was just an amazing experience. Yeah, no, that is, that is amazing. And, uh, and I know that there've been other like really awesome, um, parts of that journey. You were telling me that you created, um, an, an auction, like, a, a an artist auction on Amazon, the first of its kind. Uh, if you want to just hit a few spots on that and yeah. Um, I mean, it's like I said, I, it's again, I make a phone call. So, I mean, if there's like what I think is the like, theme here, it's an audacious phone call. Yeah, yeah. it's a phone call. Yeah. And I remember the CFO used to say to me, Randy, the thing about you is you have no fear. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. I do have fear. And I think the definition of courage is somebody who acts despite his fear. Like a fireman doesn't jump into a fire without fear. He's scared of dying. He's scared or she of getting burned, but he does it despite his fear. And maybe that's something that I had inside of me. Um, and maybe that's why I was able to make those phone calls. But I remember I had a contact at Amazon because again, early days of the internet, Amazon was not so, so big that you couldn't get into their world. And I, I had a really good relationship with one of their business development people by virtue of the fact of the stuff that I was doing with the studios and all this kind of stuff. And I called them and I said, Hey, and I had a, a, a relationship in the, in the merchandising, like you said, by virtue of the fact of the stuff that I was doing. So I met this woman who, who represented Aaron Spelling and from a merchandising standpoint, and there was a television show called Melrose place and a little TV show called, you remember that? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, it was going off the air. So I called this woman and I said, Hey, I have an idea for you. What if we do an auction um, on Amazon where we'll auction off the set of Melrose place as it goes off the air and we'll give all the money to charity. And she said, that is great. And again, another phone call. (laughs) And and I called Amazon and I told them about it and they were so into it. And that literally launched their auction on amazon.com. They promoted it and it was a big deal. And people came and they bought every piece of set, all the set pieces from the show, from, you know, the clothing to Heather Locklear's bed sheets. I mean, and it all went to charity. So that was a fun little thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that that's amazing. Uh, I mean, so many cool things and all starting with an audacious phone call. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess it's like the fi- you know, final topic. I want to talk about kind of what you've been up to in terms of building the um, you, you've you've um, been extremely interested in, in, in mind, body, spiritual practices, and you've sought to make a difference in the world. Um, and, you know, so you know, tell me a bit about that journey, like for you personally, and then also as the way it's affected your law firm and affected, uh, you know, and then other ways in which you've brought it out into the world. Okay. Make a difference. Well, eventually I did get into the practice of law and what I thought I could do is um, I thought that I could build a law firm. Here's the thing. When you're dealing with these dot-com companies, a lot of times the revenue models 
don't really make sense because the companies are valued like 10 times revenue. And it was so perplexing to me, but I thought I could build a law firm that would have an actual revenue model that was not 10 times revenue. That was real, real revenue because I think the business is as a business, it's possible to do that. So I aim to create a law firm in the same scale manner that, that the dot-com companies were created. So I created a law firm and we do employment law, um, whether it's workers' compensation or wage and hour or any kind of discrimination type things. And then we eventually went into immigration law and we do immigration law. And I think when I started doing the immigrant and we built it to a, a very big scalable company with lots of great processes and, and it's in existence today and it's wonderful. Um, and then what happened with the immigration for me is, is that there was a program where if you had a, um, if you had a child who was physically or mentally disabled, there was an opportunity to, to help the parents get green cards. And for me, that was full circle. And because when I grew up, I had a sister who had kidney disease and she passed away when I was around 13 and or maybe I was around 12 and she was 13. She passed away from kidney disease and she lived with us our whole life. She was just such a beautiful person. She was really smart, but her body was really weak. And she would have these triumphs, you know, all during our childhood where she would go into the hospital and get um, kidney transplant and come back and just walking across the living room would be triumphant. And she ended up passing away at that age. But and during that time, I saw how hard it was for my parents to have a child who has a physical disability. And, and my dad, he worked at a sporting goods store at the time. He was the manager of a department of a sporting goods store. And he didn't want to stay at that job. He wanted to actually become a lawyer, which eventually he did. But during that time, he could never quit his job because if he quit his job, we would lose the health insurance. And, you know, our sister and his daughter wouldn't be able to survive, really. So it was a big pressure on him. So when I learned about this program for immigration, it was so compelling to me because to be able to help a family, I could only imagine these, family has, these families have zero resources they don't have the resources to even have health insurance. And I don't know how they navigated their world with a child with a disability. So to being able to do that, that was kind of, that was really full circle for me. And that's, that's kind of where that is now. And I remember I was speaking to somebody about kind of what the next stage of my life is and what I want it to be. And it's not so focused on building a business or building a new business. You know, I'm married now. I have a child who's almost 16. She'll be in college in a couple of years. And my wife is very, very spiritual and loving. She's from Brazil. She has a great heart. And I, I just decided, I talked to a therapist about it. And I said to her, you know, where do I want to be in my next iteration of the world? I want to make a difference is what I told her. And I don't want to be a monk on a mountain although that probably could be somewhere that would be amazing, but I wanted to kind of make a difference in the, in the world. So 
I started doing a lot of mind, body, and spirit practices. The first thing I did was yoga. And I didn't even, again, this is another lesson for everybody. Sometimes you go into something and you never intend whatever the result is going to be. It happened at, you know, my first, when I went to law school, it happened when I even got that job at the agency I was talking to you about. I never intended that they would close the company and lay off everybody. And that would drive me to go to law school. I never intended that I would create a comedy central store. I never intended that I would be involved in this music industry and this public offering. I never intended any of this stuff. It's kind of magical how it just comes about. But, and here's an example of how I started to really get into the mind, body and spirit stuff is that um, I, I wanted to get in really good shape. I'm 53 years old and I thought to myself, about seven years ago, how, what can I do to get in really good shape physically before I turn 50? And I thought about yoga and I was walking around Santa Monica and I saw a sign for a hot yoga studio and it said two weeks free. So I went in and I thought this would be great for my physicality. And it actually was. However, at the time, my father was also dying of prostate cancer, uh, excuse me, of colon cancer. And I was really anxious and I realized doing the yoga literally dissipated my anxiety. So it was incredible how these practices, you know, help your mind. So I started really studying different practices for the mind and the spirit and the body and listening to a lot of great authors like Wayne Dyer or Abraham Hicks or even Deepak Chopra or Joe Dispenza, lots of these people that you can go onto YouTube and just download their stuff and listen to. And I studied it really consistently and with the discipline that I had when I was studying for law school. And that's just opened up a whole amazing world for me. And um, that's where I'm at with that. And I've seen such really amazing magic out of that, even in terms of my business now and the culture of my company. I met somebody who did these affirmations really. And it was, he was a young entrepreneurial, preneur. He's amazing. Uh, he has this thing called bliss formations. And he's a young man. He reminded me of the poet uh, at the inauguration. And his business is that he will do a personal affirmation for you or your business as a mission statement. So I hired him to come into my law firm and we all took a Zoom call and he asked all of my attorneys three different questions and um, they answered the questions. And from there came kind of our mission statement. And just the practice of doing that in terms of how that's going to affect the clients and the attorneys and the culture is just, that's where the magic happens. And I, if you have time, I'd love for you to read what came out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So after that conversation, here's what he came out of, you know, our mission statement for the law firm. And he, he wrote it to me, it's very poetic. So he writes, we are empowering those in need through compassion, kindness, and a sense of unity with authenticity and care. We are transforming our community and creating a safe space of love and vulnerability. We are united and strong through our purpose and peace, bringing a voice of change to those who have it the least. Freedom, justice, joy, and relief are the feelings that we share with our clients when they leave. Through our diversity, professionalism, knowledge, and inclusion, we're always capable of finding a solution. 
The God in me honors the God in you, and together we are victorious in all that we do. And that was the mission statement that he created after getting you know, questions answered from the attorneys about who they wanted to be in the world. And it created an amazing bond between the attorneys and the employees. So again, that's kind of the magic of these mind, body, and spirit practices, even though it wasn't about specifically getting clients, it created uh, you know, a, a bond with the employees that's even more valuable than getting clients. So that's, that's where I'm at, yeah. That, that's amazing. And that, that affirmation that he created is amazing. And, and the, the space that it opens up for, for you and your, your um, team and for your clients is, is just out of this world. And it, you know, what's also amazing is how quickly the time goes, right? When we're doing this interview, we've, we've covered some really awesome stuff, you know, and you're up to so, so many other cool things in terms of being passionate about immigration reform. You've been working with COVID patients um, that, um, that got COVID at work through like part of your practice is your invo- involvement in employment law. So many cool things. I mean, we'll have to continue this conversation to another time, but uh, I love the things that you shared here today. And, um, and if people want to learn more about you or get in touch with you, how do they go about doing so? They can go to my website for the law firm, TellariaLevy.com or LetUsBeYourVoice.com. Okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah. I, that, and, uh, and again, I just, I appreciate you taking the time and, uh, uh, and I just love the lesson of the audacious phone call. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, we're going to have to continue this conversation further. You and I are going to have to just talk more one-on-one further. I see, um, in, in the moving forward and just thanks again for being here. Thank you so much, Rich. This was a really lovely, nice conversation and it was just so organic and uh, thank you for allowing me to participate.